Hi, everybody. Welcome to Inspiring Adventures with Ms. Meliz. That's me. I'm Melissa Reyes. And tonight, my featured guest is the kindness activist, Gabriella Van Ray. And she comes to, uh, to us uh, to talk about kindness. And here she is, Gabriella. Welcome to Inspiring Adventures. Nice of you to have me today. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much. I was uh, very impressed when I went online um, and was looking at some of the videos. And I'm so, so thrilled to have you here with me on Facebook Live and for A Year in Bloom, which is my program this year about blooming and being your best self. And um, this is Kindness Week, so what better way to celebrate with the advocate of kindness herself. So uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, and I'll share this out on Facebook and make sure everybody knows what we're doing here. Okay. So it, it's really funny because you, you don't necessarily call yourself a kindness but it, it's actually the media that did it because I always talk about kindness and I'm passionate about making kindness a big deal, right? Like, like let's bring it back. Let's, let's make it like a cool word instead of something that's kind of like so-so. So when I do that, um, one of the things that uh, I really find that people are kind of drawn to what is an activist for kindness. And I always say jokingly, it's it's an instigator. I'm, I'm like an instigator of kindness. We can be an instigator of something positive or negative. It depends how we look at it. And in today's world, I am actually a little bit sad, even though I have a big smile on my face, to say that we need it. We need to bring it back. We need to really bring back kindness. Um, I carry a ball that says we as a society have dropped the ball of human kindness. And if we bring that back, then I think we could actually have a safer world. Yes, yes. You know, that drop, having dropped the ball, that was a, a campaign that you that you did a couple of years ago, four years ago, about, um, you know, handing off the ball and bringing it back. And I think that's so important to, to take responsibility. And I think that's something that I've been talking about. It's just, uh, you know, accepting responsibility for raising that balance, raising the awareness. You know, we can talk about till we're blue in the face how horrible the world is. But if we don't just take the time that it would take to talk about those things and do something good and say something good and be kind and, and raise that bar and make it, um, make it a kinder, better place. Then, you know, that's, that's our, that's my duty. That's what I feel is my, my goal. One of the things I think, and, and that's in all my emails that I sent, I don't know. Yeah. You haven't had an email from me yet. I think. No, but I'd be happy to get them. Okay. I write blame is not the cure. And, and I came up with that so actually quite spontaneously, to tell you the truth, because <laughs> if, if you think of it, every month is always geared towards a disease. And let me tell you, I, I, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm also for 
bringing more every month to people than only the urgency, right? Because I feel that if we talk about breast cancer, there's already an urgency, right? We rarely talk when the problem is only here, when we can still do something about it. So my take was people blame, you know, I go to school and uh, kids blame the parents, the parents blame the teachers, the teachers blame the parents. And it's just, you know, sometimes I say, everyone, stop. Right. You know, I don't want to hear it. And then they go, what do you mean you don't want to hear it? I said, no, because I'm not that kind of person. You can come with every sad story to me and I'll say, stop. Let's bring it back. How did you feel? How did it make you feel? And what was the action? What was it that the other person triggered? Because it's not what they do. It's how you felt. Right? You know, and that is what you talked about in your first book, right? Yeah. About what it felt like to to be treated poorly and to be bullied. Do you, do you want to talk about that? Well, maybe I, I need to explain, you know, how it all started. Okay. So yeah. I was born in Pakistan, and I was born as a Muslim baby. And the only reason I know that is because when a woman... We think it was my biological mother, but honest, I don't know. But let's say that it is. Uh, she dropped me off at the orphanage uh, between 8 and 10 days old, and she was going to run away. <sighs> you know, and hey, come on, we're women here. We, we can understand that yeah. there are tough choices in life. Yeah. yeah. So she was going to run away, but the, the nuns wouldn't let her. Oh. So they said to her, be kind to the child. This is not for you. This is for her. Give her a real birth date. Give her a name. And, you know, it's better than having nothing. Oh. And so I received an, two names. And um, the orphanage didn't keep them, so I don't really know why they wanted the name. Because they conformed me immediately and they baptized me within 12 hours of being there. Okay. Gabriela. Okay. So I I like the name, so I've stayed with it. That's beautiful. So the, the sisters of the orphanage gave you the name Gabriela. Gave me the name Gabriela because Gabriela in the Catholic faith is the Archangel Gabriel. Right, yeah. And so that's where I have it from. And the nurses were French, and Gabriella is is a real French name, very popular in France. Mm -hmm. And so when I got adopted three years later, I was really, really lucky to get out and to get adopted mm -hmm. to uh, the Netherlands of all places. Mm. Uh, Netherlands, for people that don't know, that's Holland. <laughs> But the official word is Netherlands, because Holland is only a province. So, uh, to Holland, my mother wanted, my new mother here wanted to change my name to Ellen. She did not succeed, because I'm already three years old, and I have a personality. Right. I'm not a baby, and I didn't want to be conformed anymore. Mm. And so, in my first book, I talk about feeling always like I didn't belong. 
mm. feeling like I wasn't good enough, feeling an outcast. Mm. And the Western world, and I'm not saying this to blame anyone, I'm just painting a picture for your audience. Mm -hmm. It made me feel like there was something wrong with me. And in the orphanage, to tell you the truth, I didn't think anything was wrong with me, really. But yeah, that, you remember being three years old in the orphanage, feeling that life was good. Actually, was I yeah, think it's good. Lucky go. Yeah, I, I think I was a fat little baby. Yeah, and I was happy. I really know that I was happy. That's good. And you know, nobody knows poverty until yeah. someone points it out. Nobody knows what it's like to have a mom and a dad when you don't know. Right. So when you don't know, you don't know. Right. And so um, with me, the case is a little bit different for anyone that would read my first book, which is a memoir called With All My Might. I write about that. I write about how much I longed for this family. But adoption did come with price because this couple, even with the best of intention, and I'm a parent, so I know I've had a lot of good intentions, and I've still made a lot of mistakes, right? Right. And so even with the best of intentions adopting this child, they didn't necessarily think what the world was going to do. How was society going to react to this baby? And so one of the things that I feel is very important to know Mm -hmm. is we do things because we are happy with the results, but we don't understand what happens with the environment around us. So everything has consequences. So we so do things because No, no. We, we love doing things. So my parents did something because they really, I, I believe this wholeheartedly, they did it out of the bottom of their heart in a time that this wasn't done. So I am truly one of the first cross-cultural adoptions in the world. Wow. And then in 1975, this started happening more and more. In 1977, Julie Andrews, 75 and 77, I think Julie Andrews adopted two children from Vietnam. And she is the first case that I know of after myself. Wow. And so that's what I mean with cross-cultural adoptions, that you go beyond adopting someone within your uh, family, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I came, and I just want to tell you this story. It's really short. No, please. I love it. You're so – we love hearing your stories, Gabriella. When I was – in uh, ki um, after kindergarten, and kindergarten was hard, but then I went to elementary and I was proud, you know, to go. The school bag was bigger than myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you were, but I loved school. And I, I love the social aspect of school. Big surprise to all my friends. Until the teacher threw me out of the class. <laughs> Here I am, and I have to honestly say, I'm a little bit, some would call it gutsy, some would call it annoying. I have found a friend of mine that called it just cheeky. <laughs> Let's say I like that word. So yeah, okay. I, I had this, hmm, I'm going to ask, why not? So I put my little finger up and I said, hey, teacher, 
And I was very polite, you know, it wasn't like I was impolite, but I was a bit, you know, no one would have dared to do that in the first hour of school. And uh, that's Bobby doing Facebook oh. Live. And so um, what was really important to me is, I, th I think no, you have to stop it, Bobby. Uh, just stop Facebook. Oh, you're getting some feedback. Yeah, if you just turn the volume off over there. Turn the volume off. Or click off the side, yeah. Um, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> it happens all the time. I apologize. You were, asked, you were being a little um, jaunty girl in class, <laughs> and you asked the teacher. And I said to the teacher, I, may I move? I don't want to sit on the first row. I know I'm little, but I'll see it way better in the way back of the room because <laughs> my buddies are there. So that's what I said to her. And the teacher thought, is she kidding me? <laughs> and I said, no, 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 I, I, I'm not joking. I, you asked if everyone was happy in their seat. And my answer is, I'm kind of happy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And then I said to her, and this was the clincher that got me thrown out of class. <laughs> and, to her, and this little girl sitting next to me is my cousin. And she's going to tattle tell everything I do to her mom and then to my mom. <laughs> now, what everyone needs to understand is the little girl next to me was blonde with big blue eyes. Right. And was she your cousin? She was. Yeah. And the the teacher believed you. And the teacher looked at me and said, little girl, <laughs> we don't lie. Right. I'm not lying. Right. I loved it. Right. And she said, I don't know what that is. Oh. And so I felt very smart. And this, this is in the day and age that you kind of got up when you were spoken to. Yeah. So I stood up and I said a little bit too loud. Well, that's when you have no parents and then you get a new set of parents because they want you. <laughs> they choose you for special. Yes. That's what they told me. Educate. You were educating the people back then in class and their teacher too. She thought I was too much. And the little girl was so embarrassed that she didn't stand up for me. So yeah. I learned what happens when people don't stand up for you. Right. One of the things that I advocate very much, please stand up for other people. Right. Feel so lonely. Trying to protect yourself. Yeah. That was one of the moments in my life that I couldn't understand that one simple word from this cousin would have diffused everything. Mm. It happened because she didn't do it. But she was so young. I mean, I'm sure you don't blame her, but it's like... No, no I don't. But, yeah, but the lesson is there. The lesson is there, and I teach this to mm. Not only... One of the things that you can do for other people is to not be scared for them, but stand next to them. Even if she had just stood up and said, it's true. Yeah. And then stand quickly, you know, something. Can I ask you, what what was behind your parents going to Pakistan and, and, and adopting you? What was the story there? Well, my parents have two uh, biological children. They're natural. And the story goes that my mom really wanted to adopt someone because in Europe, 
we had the Hungarian, there were a lot of civil wars in Hungary. And my mom said spontaneously, oh, those kids have such gorgeous dark brown eyes and we're all blonde and blue eyed. and Shouldn't we help? Mm. And my dad said, you're not allowed to help and adopt them. They're not yours to keep. You, the TV stations have asked parents all over Europe to help uh, foster them temporarily mm. till the fighting would be over. Really? And then my mom said, let's go to a far, far away country uh-huh. where they could never take the child back. Oh, that's her heart. That reminds me of my sister. She always wanted to adopt children from all over the place. But one of the things that I say is, I think it's different for me back then than it is today, but I'm going to mention something for your viewers. Uh, It's playing worldwide, the movie Lion. Oh, that's that's how it's about adoption. Mm -hmm. So anyone that is interested, don't go see it because of adoption. Go see it because it is a story of belonging. It's a story of unanswered questions and it gives me goosebumps to talk about it. Because it's true. And this this young man, yeah, in, in the movie Lion, um, he had 25 years away from India, got adopted in Australia and his uh, TV mom in the movie is uh, Nicole Kidman. Oh, okay. I've seen the trailers. I think. Yeah, and she is so um, unconditional. See, most of us love for him. Unconditional. Yeah, she has love for him only. Uh, she doesn't have love for the outcome. For example, when I stand in front of children, the reason we get in trouble and the reason we fight in the playground and we fight with colleagues is when we ask someone something. We already have the expectation is a yes. So when the person comes back with a simple no, we're really mad because our head already went yes. Okay. I'm going to give you the example that the child yesterday gave me in a classroom setting. And I had asked, the, the assignment was, tell me the situation when someone annoys you. Give me the relationship to you and the person and why and how it made you feel. And the child said, it's my sister. I ask her something and then she says no. And then I, my answer back is ask it over and over in the hope she says yes. And I said, but when you ask it, you shouldn't want the outcome to be yes or no. That's where the trouble starts. Mm. Expectation. Yeah. Yeah, that is one of the reasons why we can't be kind to ourselves and to others. Because I expect that I'm going to do well. My adopted mother expected the best of me. Uh Now I have all the chances in the world. So because of the positivity. Yeah, so is, is that not being a burden at the same time? Because... Here, the family expects me to thrive just because I am in their environment. But they forget that this child already lived three years somewhere else. Right. What could they have done differently? Been more unconditional in their expectations? I think 
loving someone unconditional mm -hmm. is the biggest and hardest thing to do. Mm -hmm. I think I am getting very, very good at it. <laughs> um, but I also believe that when I do it, some people think that I'm uncaring. Oh. Because when you let some, when you give the freedom, mm -hmm. you also give space. Yeah. Yeah. People say, well, but I want you to care. Mm -hmm. Ask me to come over. Beg for me to come over. Mm -hmm. And I don't do that. Mm -hmm. Right? Because the door is there. I say it often enough. And I leave the rest up to the person to walk into the door. Now, I'm an instigator. So mm -hmm. I'm not afraid to instigate. See, one of the reasons that I believe we have such a hard time with kindness, and this is a point that might really hit home to your viewers is we're scared to put ourselves out there. Yeah. Because if I spontaneously call you up, I might be rejected. Right? Might, might be what? I might be rejected. Rejected. Oh, right. Yeah. And that's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible because we're scared of that. But again, there's a way to be rejected by saying, hey, I am so glad you called, but it's such a bad moment. Would you be so kind because I'm a scatterbrain to call me at four? Is mm -hmm. that great? Then I have all the time in the world for you. Mm -hmm. We don't do that. Right. But if I don't do that and I listen to you, I might listen half, right? I might go like this. <laughs> Writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and then you're annoyed with me, right? Right. So, again, these are little lessons to learn. I always say kindness starts with you. Yeah. And that, for me, was my hardest lesson. I think, for me, my faith, my Christian faith, didn't teach me to be kind to me. My Christian faith taught me to be kind to others first. Yeah. Uh -huh. And one of the beautiful analogies is... Flying in a plane, what is the first thing the steward or stewardess says to you? Put the oxygen mask on yourself first before helping the person next to you. Right, you have to take care of yourself first. Otherwise, so, you cannot take care of the other person. You're talking about being kind to yourself. And, to, and I think you have to be honest. Like, if you're honest about, in your example, I'm really too busy to talk right now. Let's do this later so I can give you my full attention rather than trying to be nice and saying, okay, you know, tell me what you need. <laughs> difference for me between kindness and being nice. See, nice is often superficial. Yeah. yeah. But kindness, people know it. Right. I mean, people know it. And um, do you have a lot of women listeners? Oh, yeah, most of the my following are women, but okay. there are men, too. <laughs> I'm going to say one thing. We women need to stop competing with each other. Yeah, I believe that. You know what? We know how hard it is to be good, to look good, and to try your best every day. Right. So why attack the other person for any reason? We can only do that if we ourselves are not in a good place. So my quote, and if you want to, I can write that down. Sure. Nobody 
strikes another coming from a positive place. That's my favorite quote. Because for me, that means when someone attacks you, women, step back, gentlemen, everyone, step back. Not about you, about them. They're, have you ever, ever, like, I'm, I'm just going to say something. Let's pretend my jacket is new, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I'm wearing it for the first time on a network meeting. Or I got this awesome haircut. <laughs> and, you know, you have this little step and there's a bounce and you just feel on top of the world. And there's no way if you say, hmm, should you wear that color? Like that, I will just say to you, yeah, I just loved it. It it spoke my name. Nothing can get me down. And what am I doing then? I'm pulling you into my enthusiasm, right? Right. I'm pulling you in from negative to positive. But you're doing it because you are not in the same place I am. That's why we do that. (laughs) Yes, I love what you just said, feeling on top of the world. (laughs) You like that. Nothing can shake your foundation. Right. But when I, and I have this at least once or twice a month, that I just can't sleep. I'm writing a book, and that doesn't mean that the next day my appointments can all be canceled, right? Right. So no matter how I feel, you have to be there, right? So I might be tired, and I might not look totally myself or be as okay. <laughs> yes I can be. Right. And and so at that moment, just remember, let's not strike out. Right. It's so much easier to strike out. So think of that and that will help you so much, so much in the steps of kindness. It will really, oh my gosh, when I explain this to people, people go, I never thought of that. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. You know, and I'm so glad that you're saying this. Now, what does, let me ask you this. Um, do you have a book, your more recent book, is about communication. Is it yes. that true? So how does kindness play in that, it, like what you're describing now? For example, let's yeah. answer rudeness with kindness. <laughs> it's all about action reaction. So what I just said was an action reaction, right? Yeah. I have a good day. I think my jacket looks fine. And and I'm saying that towards women because a man rarely ever says I like your jacket. Right. They couldn't care less. Yeah. Well, let's say it's a it's a work thing like presentation. You know, you've worked so hard on it. Yeah, and I think a man men uh men are more interested in the content that I'm bringing to the table and women too, because once I start talking, we talk. So communication, the first thing in communication is that it's like a sort of a ping pong ball. You know, I say something mean, you say something mean, and we go back and forth, back and forth. And it could start out totally flatline, meaning it's nothing much. It's just a little snippy undertone. But you hear the undertone. Mm -hmm. So our words, our communication is more than just words. It's our body language. It's our facial expression. 
but it's the tone, the tone. Mm -hmm. I always say I am, that's why children and especially teenagers tune out to mothers. Totally, because they always hear that little undertone. That undertone, it's true. Didn't do it right anyway. Yeah. You know, that, that little naggy thing, right? Right. Husbands and wives have the same problem. Partners have the same problem. Mm-hmm. If we didn't talk like that, we wouldn't get the reaction. And so this little book still speaks about kindness, but it shows you the steps that you need to take in your own communication to be more kind towards the other and to learn to be more succinct because what comes out of our mouth, even though you have a smile, can you imagine? Mm -hmm. I say something terrible to you, but I smile. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you go, gosh, if I wasn't looking at you, I would think you're mad at me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know how we think that sometimes? Gosh, I I grew up, my dad was that way. He had the worst tone of voice. And my husband would say, like, I mean, my husband, my mom would say from another room, tone, dear, tone, because she knew his, it was tone of voice. But I would hear him and just be crushed, whatever it was that he was saying, you know, because I was so sensitive. And, um, you know, that it just, I and I do it because I was, you know, Right. But, that way. but it's the feeling. Yeah. If we need to go back to, nobody teaches the kids or the adults right. to describe the feeling. Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. So when, when I'm on stage, I describe the feeling. And it's the feeling that the audience then goes, yes. Because you know, have, this is really interesting. There's a comment here from Carlos. He says, is it fair to blame a tone as opposed to us misreading it? And, you know, I just want to go and say, I don't think we're blaming anybody. We're just trying to say how to feel and what to do. Right. But my, but uh, yes, we are misreading it though. Yeah, we are because I know I was sometimes yeah. um, we have to look at the person. I'm a go-getter, so I'm 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 um, I have a loud, booming voice. Uh, I can go very soft too, but I've learned to project my voice, of course, on stage. But I, I'm generally louder than someone who has a nice, gentle voice like yourself. <laughs> and and so people might think you're angry or a little bit too loud because of that tone. But I'm very careful to not make my tone snippy, which I know as a woman, I can do easily. Yeah, yeah. So I am very, very, very aware. Yes, I love what you just said. You have to be aware how your tone is perceived. Right. And if you understand that, I promise you, your communication at home and in the workplace goes up 100%. And is it okay in the workplace or, I mean, at home, I, you know, feel comfortable, but to, when you say it and you have it out there to say, you know, I just heard myself and I didn't mean it to sound that way. Yes. Like I would interrupt myself even. Yeah. Or, but I'm an asker. Remember at the school? 
Yeah. So I will say to my manager, who has a total different, she's much more introvert than I am, I will say, you okay today? See, and I think that's the parts we forget in community. Yeah. yeah. Take a measuring stick. Take the thermometer. <laughs> Test the waters. You know, Carlos says, I have a deep voice. So if I say I love you, it gets taken with like anger. But the words are not. So, um, yeah. You use know. your body language with the voice. Yeah. People can see it. Make sure that when you say it, that's my advice, Carlos. Make sure that when you say it, that you face people. See, I believe that one of the things that is a huge problem Let's pretend this hand is a colleague and this hand is another colleague. Mm -hmm. We literally pass each other in the hallways like this, and we hope the communication is heard. Impossible. We do this in the workplace. We do this at home. We do this in meetings. Right, right. One second. One yeah. second. Can you imagine? Yeah. And he's talking about over the phone, you know, if, if you're giving directions to somebody over the phone and you work with them, you have to, that's, that's, you know, you maybe even have to say, make sure you take this with a grain of salt or make sure you take this in the, the way I mean it because I might sound rough, but. I wouldn't do that either, but you know what I can suggest over the phone? Make them repeat what it is you said. Yeah, I good. call that regurgitation. Yeah. So uh, be the mother of a little birdie yeah. and be nice to them and say, could you just let me know what I just said? Because I, I'm scattered myself. Boom. And they'll repeat it to you. And you will know instantly if they got it or not. Right. Well, that's good. That's good advice. So what do you think of that, Carlos? Do that. <laughs> He's saying it's still taking the blame, but I'm not, you know. No, I'm not taking the blame. I'm I'm making clear. See, for example, I work with a lot of people, different different backgrounds, different languages, different time zones, and I'm not always sharp at 7:30 at night, especially I'm an early bird in the morning. Right, right. And so you can imagine, you know, it's a long day for people. And um, we all have our highs and lows throughout the day. And so, no, I, I, I'm not talking about blame. Um, when I think that, I think in a board meeting, when I ask someone to do something in a work setting or I will ask my child to do something for me, I actually make sure that she got, and I'll say to her, do you know what mom wanted you to do? Yeah, yeah. And then she'll repeat it. Yeah. And you know by the repetition, she didn't get it at all. Yeah. She'll often say, clean your room only. But I said something nice with it. <laughs> the moment you clean up your room, shall we have a nice lunch together? She didn't, yeah. she didn't say that part. The honest part, Carlos, right? His name is Carlos. Uh -huh. Honest part, Carlos, is all of us listen only to a part. We all Listen selectively. Myself, you, everyone. Plus the fact that we are triggered, so action-reaction, that all plays a role. Besides the tips and tricks that I was giving you, the body language, the tone. Mm -hmm. So, And then because I have a feeling that you're talking about something else, I'm, I'm going to say it and then tell me in a text if I'm close. Okay, I'm going to take the example of 
the way we talk to one another through social media. Mm. If I talk to you, I see you and I see your facial expression. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the truth is, if I hurt your feelings, I will see it. Mm -hmm. And I can instantly adjust. So the, the example I always give is if someone trips, we might all laugh. But the moment the colleague trips we and, and they don't get up, we say, hey, are you okay? But on social media, we don't do that because we can't see. Right, right. One of our senses is not part of the conversation. When I talk about communication, I talk about all of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so in social media, our opinions become judgments. And I have a feeling Carlos might be talking about that. Mm. So when someone thinks he's angry, it's because we've already gone into judgment what he is saying. And there is a big difference between that distinction. Yeah, I'm, I think there's a little delay, so I'm not sure, but we'll, we'll see if what he says, you know, and it, and I think, I think you're spot on because that it, communication has gotten more difficult, I think, with social media, texting, you know, there's that you miss that body language. And I think that's why emojis have become so popular because you can add a little bit of that, you know, back into the text, but I don't know how you are. I don't know. My thumbs are too fat and I <laughs> tell everything. And when I'm in a hurry, I, 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 I'm just as much to blame. I press on send. These are text messages. This is not right. These are yeah. text messages. But then sometimes I read it back and I think that looked Chinese. <laughs> no idea. I didn't type that bad word and, and that became. <laughs> another word Gina is then a name and it and <laughs> well, autocorrect messes me up because I know when I go to hit send it I think it looks right and then if I look back and I think wait a second that's not right so what you know it can get messed up in that too I'm so what Carlos said oh now he says I find let's see misinterpreting what someone says is a big problem and usually it's the listener. Ah, I love that you said that because yeah. it's part of my third book. We are the worst listeners because you know why? Right. We are listening and I'm already making the response. So oh, yeah. I haven't listened because let's say that um, my daughter tells me a story. I might listen to the first part interrupt because my thought is thinking of another story. Yeah, you have some, you have your comeback ready. And this is what we do. Yeah. Especially when it's at work, we're so eager to please or, or, or to be part of the boardroom meeting or whatever situation it is to get your word in that often the ideas aren't listened to. But I think the reason is that everyone thinks that we have no time, mm -hmm. that we're too busy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And all we have to do, actually, when we listen and we actually shut up, it's beautiful. But I always say, I take responsibility, Carlos. When I listen to someone in a boardroom, at home, for 10 or 15 full minutes without interrupting, I say afterwards, I really do. Wow. Okay, so I think 
that the problem that you're asking me to help you with is this, this, and this. Did I get that right? Because I think differently than you. And nobody has ever said, oh, that's dumb, Gabriela. Yeah. But once you've taken the time to listen to the whole thing and really listen, I am right there with you, Gabriela. I I believe in that. And it's miraculous. And I've had the I've had the people who've given me that gift of just listening and hearing me out. And usually by the time I finish pouring out my heart, I've figured out what it is that I need to do. And I just say, thanks for listening, you know, but then on the other hand, I've been the person and, you know, it really, it really is a, a special skill to be able to listen. It's hard. But I love what you just said. You said while I was pouring out of my heart, I realized yeah. what I needed to do. Yeah. People often just need an ear, but what do we do, the listener? Once I let you say what it is you need to say, what do I do? Afterwards, even if I'm a good listener, afterwards, and tell you how to fix it. Yeah. I know it. You analyze and give advice and we... But there's another trick to that. In friends, in colleagues, with your children, why don't we take the time at the end to say... Are you wanting me to help you or was it just to be the ear? Right, right. And often people say, no, just thanks for listening. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. Because if you give them advice, you actually get them off the point that they just made themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, then you distract them from that. And you know who that works a lot with? I speak with older people and I think that Sometimes they just need to tell you the story. They have these wonderful stories, and we want them to get to the point and, and help them. But really, they just want to tell the story. Yeah. You know? And usually there's a lesson in it <laughs> if you yeah. just listen. That's why I believe that every person next to you has invaluable knowledge to yeah. pass on to you. And yeah. We don't take the time to be kind. We'll never know. Yeah. That's what we actually miss out on. Mm. We miss out on that grumpy person because we have made a split-second judgment about them, uh, who they are, their accent, or something about them, and we don't give them the chance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we really miss out. We really do. I have yeah. great conversations with... Uh, people in stores, you know, uh, today in the parking lot. And, but the truth is, and I live in LA, just like you do. And you know what? It's murder and traffic. But that five minutes or the four minutes that I took to talk to the parking lot attendant did not take anything off my day. Right. I, I think to say all the time, we're too busy, too busy, too busy. It's just kind of baloney. Right, right. We're too busy for what? To 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 get to our next TV show? <laughs> no, but I mean, at the end, I don't know. I'm saying that because I don't know. I mean... And even if it took you an hour. I mean, really. Too busy is when you have a mom or a dad in the hospital yeah. or a child. That's too busy, right? Right. I mean, come on. You, 
it it doesn't take me the three minutes longer to be engaging and nice is just I mean I see people change in front of me from grumpiness to a huge smile on their face yeah. because you make their day yeah oh you are so amazing I just love it so tell me um, what is your primary message that you're trying to get out right now dare to be kind Dare to be hashtag kind. Dare to be kind. Anyone who wants to, please use it. Yeah. I want that hashtag to go everywhere. I'm going to put challenges out on social media, and I'm going to do tips because I want to make a really big distinction, and people are going to find me very irritating. <laughs> no. Well, sometimes it's kind of provoking, right, to say, yeah. people say, well, but I love a random act of kindness. And then you have the activist of kindness telling you, I don't. And I tell you what. You want an intentional one, right? Ah, you, you did your homework. No, actually, I'm, I, I'm instinctive, but I have, I feel the same way. Like, I think random is fine, but if you're, in t I'm really about being intentional about all of my actions. Super. Love it. But yeah. you know what? The random ones you do anyhow. Sure. I don't feel we need to teach that because someone that's struggling with groceries, holding open an elevator, we, we do that etiquette. I mean, I definitely do in my life. But where we all need to grow, including myself, where we need to grow is to take that time to find out what it is that triggers you so much in the person that you love or the colleague that you have to work with. Oh, there you go. That's for me the challenge. And wow, if you can do that, if you can be, if you can grow and actually drop your skin and your judgment mm. that you have and just Come at it. Just come at it. I, I'm not asking everyone to empathize. Empathy is difficult. Compassion is easier. Empathy is difficult. Empathy means that we can really put ourselves in the shoes of the other person. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to have compassion. Step back out of who you are. Come around the corner and look at it another way. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Okay, so what fuels this fire in you? Why Why are you doing this? Because I wish someone had done that for me. Yeah. I wish I wish someone had seen the sadness as a child. I wish someone behind the smirk and the laughter would have seen that there was a lot of sadness mm. and that it was really hard to be disciplined, uh, when I wasn't being rude or I wasn't even trying to be funny, I'm just naturally kind of uh, challenged. Is that what <laughs> my manager? I, I want to know what's the word, Bobby? Goofball. A goofball. <laughs> I'm a natural goofball. There you go. You are a little goofy. I see it. But, but it's endearing. But really. it's with it's definitely not with malice. It's I I. Yeah, it just rolls out, and uh, yeah. Did somebody see that? Did some overly playful? 
I'm overly playful. Overly playful. I've always played the child, so that's my biggest advice out there. Um, You know, I've heard all my life, it's time to grow up, Gabriella. Mm. And I was very, very serious between 20 and 40. Okay. What changed? Life is too short. Yeah. I gotta be me. Yeah. If you don't dare to step into who you are, you will continue to be unkind to you. Uh, I'm not perfect. I'm hopelessly flawed. <laughs> and you know what? I'm proud of every flaw because it's the flaws that got me to be here. And at least I'm, I'm, I have growth to acknowledge them. And will they be perfect by the time I die? No. <laughs> and I hope There's nothing not. perfect. There's because no perfect. I can come back as a different person or a different life and do it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> When, if I come back, I want to come back as my cat. Now, I understand that you have a Maltese. I do. Uh, would you want to come back as him? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Although she is. No. I I really like being human. <laughs> That's good. It took me so long to embrace myself. Mm. It took me so long to understand that I didn't need to belong to a group that I didn't need to belong to a family to be a whole and complete and a good person. I just thought I needed all that. Yeah. The measure of success is wrong in our society. Yeah. If we do good and whatever that is, if that is to be kind to someone on the corner of a street to help your child grow to uh, make it through a day because you have multiple sclerosis, whatever that hurdle is for you, mm-hmm. that has to be success. Mm-hmm. And every day is a blank slate. Not every year, every day. Every day is a new day. What happened yesterday is over. I think living in the now, I know a lot of people talk about it, but not many people do it. I, to the irritation of the many people that live with me, (laughs) work with me, that I live now. I don't really think of yesterday anymore. It's gone. I do say, hey, yesterday was so so nice. I met this person or that person. But that's it for me. Beyond that, I don't go there. And I don't think, oh, in 10 years from now, I'm going to do that. And I really believe just... One more sentence here. I really believe we're all born with innate kindness. It's the one thing that transcends everything that's negative or that we feel is negative about each other or cultures or language, whatever it is. We all have innate kindness. We were all born with it. And I believe that every single person has it. I believe that too. And we got to tap into that and just open it up and share it out. Well, Gabriella, what's next for you? What's next for me is I'm going to write my fourth book. And the fourth book is going to be about tolerance. So 
tolerance. Tolerance. Do a little series. So watch your deliveries about communication. I want to do one on tolerance and then one on communications in the workplace. Okay. And I want to kind of bundle them together. Okay. And tolerance does not equal acceptance. I okay. think in the world we live in today and everything that's happening worldwide, I think it's really important because I believe that whatever we're inclined on Friday, in two days from today, sorry, three days from today, mm -hmm. we have a new president. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a historic opportunity to open the dialogue. If there's anything that Mr. Trump has done during the elections is create a lot of, he's provoked our mind and our thinking. And whether that's good or positive, I like if we could take it as something positive. And I would like even more if we, instead of making excuses, let's use it to really talk. Yeah. That Muslims and Hispanics and Christians and every faith in the world starts talking because it's time. We're 2017, we're in the 21st century. It's time not to be fearful of each other. Right. That's what's next for me. Right. I would love to debate with people like yourself and people <laughs> that totally disagree with me because I'm, I'm not for the left or the right. I'm so non-political. But I am the same way. I'm non-political. In fact, I've, I've not said how I feel about this at all, but I, and I wouldn't normally say that I'm about acceptance, but I, I've been thinking a lot about what you're saying. And I think that if anything, Trump has pointed out that it's, it, we are all imperfect. And if we're going to be run, but he's, he's, he's going to be who he is. And he's going to make mistakes and we're going to all have to deal with it. And in four years, we're going to be okay. I mean, it's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be horrible. It's going to be different. But he did something that I, you know, I mean, he really brought topics back to the surface. Yes, that have not gone away. Just that the people weren't talking about, right? Yeah, because I have skin color. Right. They have never ever gone away. Right. 9-11 brought them back to the surface too. Right. 9-11 um, brought fear back right. uh, of different ethnicities. So it was harder to embrace each other. And so when I wear a ponytail, people think I'm Hispanic. <laughs> so I, I feel that yeah, I, I can understand that they're treated badly because I see it. Yeah. And I, 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 you know, if I was a Muslim baby and here I am today and, and my life could have been the life with a person with a scarf or a burqa. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And why is that not okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, would I have been different? I don't think so. See, this is what's so interesting. It is. It and is. That's all I'm asking. I mean, I'm asking people to dare to be kind in these next few days. And each time you make a comment on social media, 
don't forget, I have respect for for the Oval Office. I really do. And I have respect as a Dutch citizen for the Oval Office. I've always thought of America as a uh, a country where dreams came true. Maybe not all of mine, but <laughs> I, I do think it's a land of opportunity. And How long have you been uh, in the States? Do you, have you lived here long? I, I've been in and out since I've been 14. Okay. And the first time I set foot here, I was nine. Okay, okay, so... So I've been in and out. You know, I, I take the best of every country. Not any country is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you I try to what? tell my kids. We, they say, we, why don't we move? And I'm like, you know what? No country is perfect. Oh, no, they aren't. And if you move, then it's another government that does something. Exactly. We're lucky. We just don't know we are. Yeah. That, that someone brought something to the surface only means to me, as a human being, this is a time to open the dialogue and let's not brush it away. Right. And let's not, let's embrace this. I, I'm going to stomp with my boots. <laughs> wow. You're really getting into it. Well, you know what? The world needs you. This, this, our society needs you and you have such energy and such positivity. And I just, I love it. I could listen to you forever. I want to find out where you're going to be speaking next. Um, where, how can we reach you? Reaching me is so easy. Um, if you do Gabriella.global, that is my website. Gabriella.global. Not .com, .global. I did that because people couldn't type my last name. Well, I made it easy. Gabriella.la.global. So that's one. You can reach me everywhere. My Our phone numbers are on the website. Um, we will come and speak in your corporation. And just one thing, um, if, for example, someone invites me in New York or Oklahoma or Chicago, if you invite me to speak and uh, it, it is a paid through a company, then I will also put the proceeds into talking pro bono in the school. I open that. So I do a lot of pro bono work in schools. Oh, okay. How wonderful. And sure that that's kind of giving back. That's wonderful. That's really great. Well, since, and you live in Los Angeles, so maybe, I, you know, I work at a school. I work at a middle school. Uh, and, and a high school. Well, we have a middle school and a high school. It's all one school. But what yeah. are you waiting for? I know. I'm going to check into that. So, you know, fantastic. So, um, you know, there's so many topics that you speak about that's just um, so, so touching, <laughs> really. So and so now. And so um, I'm, it's been such a pleasure to speak with you. And, um, you know, I I feel like we should talk again. <laughs> and, and we should meet in person. Yes, I would and love that. And I would love for you to, I'm going to invite you to my various groups on Facebook so you can tap into what, what I'm doing on with the year in bloom and a um, little bit of mindfulness and uh, self-care. And I do some artwork and some, um, you know, a uh, little bit of... Um, I don't know what to call it. It's just special. 
Is that your art behind you? No, actually, this is a tapestry that my son brought me from Nepal this summer. He had a, a trip to Nepal with his, you know, school. So, uh, but he brought it because I was into drawing mandalas. I did the 100 mandala challenge last year. Wow. This year I'm doing a 365-day challenge for uh, Word of the Day, where I'm doing every single day a word of focus or a, a one word intention and I'm posting that uh, in my Facebook group and putting little I'm put together a little book actually I'll put this up this is my book it's a year in bloom a theme calendar nice. and then um, there's a place to write down your uh, word for every single day of the year so of course it's for myself to record it but if anybody else wanted to do it it's available and you know it's just the idea of having um, kind of a place to reflect on, you know, positive words. It's an, it makes an impact. I think words make an impact. And putting the intention out there. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Out there. Mine will be one of your words this year. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you, everybody who is watching. Thank you, Gabriella Van Ray, for being with me on Inspiring Adventures. You certainly inspire us. You have so many, so many stories and adventures to share. I really appreciate it. I am excited um, to have you here and so, so grateful. And um, next Tuesday, uh, I have Belinda Ginter. She is going to speak about improving your tomorrow today with your mindset. And then the following week, I'm excited to have Dr. Fred Knorr, who wrote this book. It's called True Love. He's a neurologist, and he talks about the science behind love. So it's really interesting. So it's really exciting to have all these amazing people on Inspiring Adventures. I hope that you're inspired. And let me know if there's anything that I could do to help you um, to be inspired. So thank you again. I'm going to, uh, if you have any parting thoughts, Gabriella, any last words for tonight? Dare to be kind. To be positive every day because every mistake you make is there's nothing wrong with it nothing wrong with that mistake there's nothing wrong with the mistakes you make that's a great Just great lesson throw them in the dirty hamper like you do your clothes <laughs> throw them in the dirty hamper <laughs> that's a good one i love it i'll make that my new quote that's so your mistakes in the dirty hamper and forget about them because you've already learned it. That's wonderful. Well, thank you. You are so sweet. Thank you so much, Gabriella. So um, good night to you, and we'll talk to you soon. And you're always welcome here at Inspiring Adventures. Thank you so, so much. I'm going to dismiss you from the stage, as they say on Smile Time. So thank you so much for being here. Good night. And good night, everybody.